0: Okay, everybody will grab a seat. Great morning so far, everybody? Feel the presence of the Lord a little bit? It's great. Thank you, Jesus. We're going to talk um, a little bit about our church today. We don't do a whole lot of that, but we're calling it um, Vision Sunday, and I'm going to share some, and my wife Donna will share some, and Andy Squires, and um, I'll uh, draw some conclusions. But we want to let you know a little bit about um, who we are, where we came from, and where we want to go. Actually, I was thinking this morning, I've been involved in ministry since I was in college. I got out in 1973, but I was thinking about how long I've been involved in what they call full-time ministry, which is a little bit of misnomer. I think everybody that knows Jesus that wants to help the world is in some kind of a full-time capacity. But anyway. I've been dedicated to church life, however you want to put it, for 28 years, and I can honestly say, and I've had some great times in God, don't misunderstand me, but these last eight years being involved with the Queen City Church have really been some of the very best years of um, my life and, of course, Donna's too. So we're really, really glad to be doing what we're doing. So what I want to do is give a little short history of Queen City Church. Um, For 14 years, I was on a staff at a ministry named Morningstar as a pastor, and I had served in several different capacities, but most of that time I pastored the church. And I believe it was in 2010, I was leading, um, leading a conference meeting just before closing the session. I began to feel like the Lord was speaking to me not not audibly. How many of you believe God speaks to you okay, good so i don 't have to explain all of this the thing i The thing I felt like the Lord said to me and it was it was really startling was pick up the guitar and play it, or i 'll get someone else to do it and that 's sort of shocking. It came out of the blue, and I felt sort of arrested by it, and so I didn't understand, I didn't know, okay, Morningstar here too, we have professional level musicians. You don't just go grab their equipment and start playing their guitars, number one. Number two, what was I supposed to play? I'm sort of the CG, well, maybe just C and G, A, you know, I can play some of those chords. But I said, well, I was confused. I said, you want me to go up on the stage and play the guitar? And if I don't, you're going to get somebody else to do it. And the Lord said to me, I'm not talking about tonight. And what happened was it put me in um, just a, a frame of mind to understand what the Lord was really saying to me because I knew I knew it was important. And so I started praying through it. I actually had, I don't know if you realize this or not, that this is really um, uh, our church is influenced by prophetic things. And um, I had a dream and that helped me begin to understand what the Lord was saying. And I believe at that time John Mark had one as well. And so John Mark and I were talking. I began to understand over about a 10-day period that I was supposed to start a church. And that the guitar was a metaphor for really what I would consider at that time sort of John Mark's... Um, Generation, for lack of a better way, better way to put it. But the more I look, and I think that is true, it's a metaphor, but it was for disconnected, disenfranchised, or disoriented people. And we knew a lot of them, particularly, um, back then. But I think it's also a metaphor for everyone who's got a song to sing. It's not just about music. It's just about expressing who you are. So it's really not just about creative people. And so, I contacted a group of people that I thought might be interested and we developed, um, it's about a 14-person leadership team and um, I could name all these people, but I'm going to leave somebody out and then you could be mad when you don't have to be. But uh, Donna and I were there, so I want to at least mention those two people. But really it was John, Mark, and Sarah and my son Andy, Joel Curry, Christopher Brandy, Josh Baldwin, Eric and Amanda Hurchin, Jacob and Alicia Woodfin, Stuart and Courtney. And immediately thereafter, I believe Dan and Lisa Malloy and and, um, Tony and Karen Woodfin, but others began to come once we began. And so we started at the Visualite because worship was important to us. They had a good sound system. And... um, they didn't have anything for the kids so that became a problem but we didn't have any kids out of our whole leadership team there was one little boy i believe that was jude and now they're man like locusts they're everywhere (laughs) so and and the visualite did not have um a place for kids we had a play-doh table in the back corner in the dark and Man, it was nasty and dirty. We liked it, but it wasn't going to long-term build a church that um, could take care of families. But we had a miracle. We actually started meeting on Sunday nights, but we really had a miracle. We got a building across the street in downtown Charlotte for $2,000 a month that was half as large as what we have here. It was just in terrible condition, and we were responsible for making it look nice. But We went to Sunday mornings, Brandy, McMillan, and all our great volunteers began our kids' ministry. And I think we've got one of the best kids. We have the best kids' ministry in this church. So, yeah, let's give it up for all those people. And we have the best sound. Come on, Christopher. Let's hear it for Christopher. So, We got that building, started kids' ministry, started growing, and then we lost that building. And about uh, 17 months ago, we had our first meeting here. Um, So that's a little of our history. A couple of questions we wanted to try to answer is, why are we doing this? And why do we do what we do? You know... When I was answering that question, I want people to know. I want people to know the Lord the way I know the Lord. I've been saved almost fifty years, and um, been through someone else's bad experience is the best teacher. So I don't want to learn everything by experience, but I've I've got some bad experiences I've learned from too over 50 years, but in every single situation, the Lord has been faithful, the Lord's brought us through, the Lord's caused us to benefit even from things that um, weren't pleasant. And we've, we have discovered the love of God in a remarkable, remarkable way, and we want people to know that. And our core team represents many, many, many years of people's encounters with God, but not just encounters with God. They can get squirrely, but also time and grade in the Bible, which I believe is God's Word. We've studied the Bible. We try to apply the Bible to how we view life and how we practice. And so we want people to know the Lord the way we do. We, we want people to know that God really loves them, and that's really The most important thing anybody could ever learn. That cures a lot of illnesses. Psychosomatic, real. To know what God really thinks about you. Um, To know, you know, he knows the worst thing you've ever done. It's even more scary than that. He knows the worst thing you haven't done yet. And he loves you. He doesn't excuse it, but he loves you through it. So, we want people to understand what loving god looks like and what our lives should look like when we know the lord so that sort of brings me to another point let's answer this question who are we um how would how would i describe queen city church well you know we can slogans are always helpful Love God, love people, love our city. That's a good one. Say that together. Love God, love people, love our city. But really, what what kind of church are we? Some people, um, it helps some people to understand through some kind of a tag. Um, So I thought through that, and I thought, well, are we a charismatic church? And I think, well, not based on... What I think that term means in our culture right now, although we are uh, truly, biblically from a biblical concept, charismatic, we believe in healing, we believe in the gifts of the Spirit, we believe in, in the power of God. But what I call us a classic charismatic church? No. What I call us a classic, classic Pentecostal church? No. Well, then you're non-denominational? No. Because to me, everything denominates... At a given point, and it's not necessarily a bad thing. And I think people get all squirrely about, well, they're in a denomination and that's a bad thing. Well, no, it's just another tribe. They're doing the best they can, leave them alone. So, how would I classify ourselves? I would classify it at this point as an interdenominational, spirit filled congregation. Let me ask you this how many of you grew up in Presbyterian? How many of you grew up in Baptist? How many of you grew up heathen? Or Episcopalian? So we're we're <laughs> I'm not putting them in the same category. I didn't mean that. I didn't mean that at all. Now if the Lord meant that, that's his business, but I didn't mean that. No. 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 I'm not against, I'm for. And that's another aspect of our church. It's more about what we're for than what we're against. Because anybody can be negative, anybody can be against something, anybody can find fault, but what can you build, what can you grow, what can you develop, what can you do to make things better? That's what really um, motivates us. So we believe in prophetic ministry. We actually teach prophetic ministry sometimes in our children's class, which may be strange to some of you, but kids hear God better than adults do sometimes. I mentioned earlier we believe in the gifts of the Spirit, but we also believe in the fruit of the Spirit, that we need to know the power of God, but we need to know the character of God and not just know about it, but demonstrate it and walk in it. Um, One one of our core values is we don't hype people. We don't try to push people into what they really ought to do. We We try to... our job's inspiration. We had this entrepreneurs meeting on, on Saturday and I came because I'm an entrepreneur. I started a church with basically no money and no hope of any real immediate success. And immediately we had fifteen, twenty thousand dollars. I mean, the minute we sort of opened our doors, but see, we didn't know that when we decided to start. And it's an expensive process, but we, we're, but we don't hype people. We, we, we're not trying to create some monster we've got to keep feeding every week. We'd rather inspire people to love God and to serve him. And if you don't want to serve him by helping us here, there are things we won't have and it'll be your fault, not mine. That's sort of my philosophy. But you know what, I'm I'm, I'm joking a little bit, but I'm, I'm very serious about our, our feeling is to inspire you to serve this God that gave himself, gave his only son for you to die such a cruel, cruel death. So we want to emphasize loving God. We want to be a people of worship. Let's give it up for Andy and the team. Andy's done such an awesome job. All the musicians and people that give themselves to that. We want to help people connect with the love of God, and we want to live authentic lives. We want to tell the truth. We don't want to present a false front. We just want to be who we are. I have a feeling there are a lot of people who can't find a church where they're comfortable with because they feel like they've got to measure up to some false standard. Well, listen, the only standard you have to measure up to is Jesus, who is absolutely perfect, and the rest of us, well, here we are. We believe in empowering people to become who God made them to be, that realm of creativity. And we want people to to find a way to belong. We try to provide opportunities for people to connect and create community. One of the when I think about how our church started, I think about a conversation I had with John Mark, and I think this can sum up uh, perhaps the way a lot of people feel. John Mark, when we were talking about this going on eight years ago, he said, "Dad." I want a church like the one I grew up in. And years ago we had a church um, that was relationally oriented, and John Mark, through the adults he grew to know, knew at least two men that no matter where they were in the world or what John Mark needed, if John Mark truly needed them, they would come. And John Mark said, I want that for my children. Well, I think all of us ought to want that for our children. Um, and it really does, you know, the term, it takes a village. It really does. It takes a community of people to live this life. We really all need that kind of help. And I think that's a, that's a noble aspiration. Um, we want the kind of church where your kids meet other people's parents that they can trust that love them, that know their names, and that care about them. That's not easy to do, but we can do it. Now, we're going to show a little video, and the video is of what this building looked like when we got it, and Andy and I have a little conversation back and forth. But in 2016, we moved from the Visualite Theater here to Presley Road, and in that period of time, 17 months, we've really grown from about 100 to almost 300 people. And so we're trying to understand how to navigate that and how to make the most of that, um, the most out of that for you. And so um, I believe, Christopher, you're going to run that video. Well, Andy, we're sitting right here in our new sanctuary at 7-Eleven Preston Road, and we've been working on this now for a better part of a month. We're hopefully we'll be in by mid-July. But when you come up here and you look what excites you about this location what excites you about what's
1: going on well you know so thankful for the visualite and i've of course only been on the ground for about seven months y'all have been there for about six years and it's been an incredible place but i don't know there's something so cool about having space right. for our folks that's right and uh you know we were talking earlier about it and just uh, that phrase came up—a a place to be, you know, uh, to have a home. So right. that's—I'm—I'm I'm excited about what uh, what's going to happen in this this building. Actually, the, the worship, the preaching, the presence of the Lord. Um, but how that's, about
0: you? Well, I've been deep in this since like November when yeah. I found out we were losing our building, and then with the construction and the design and architects and engineers. Excited would not be the term I would use for how I've felt at the moment. <laughs> Until I see people come up here and yeah. look and begin to dream and imagine, and when I see them get excited, yeah. that's when I get excited. Yeah, amen. So I am excited. This is going to be amazing. Um, we're all under one roof. Yeah, people be able to connect a lot better. They're not running down across the street to get their kids yeah. at the end of the meeting. And uh, it's going to be so much fun. I think it's going
1: to be great. Yeah. Moving, moving days. It's going to happen this summer, hopefully, right? Coming up. Coming up, baby. <laughs> moving time. Moving time.
0: <laughs> yep. Yeah. Moving time in July, October. That's the way that worked. Um, I want Donna to come. She's going to share a little about some of the progress we've made. If you'll grab that mic. And then Andy, if you'll come after her. That'll be great.
2: Hello. From the very beginning... Our team of folks who came together to start QCC agreed that generosity is one of the core values we wanted to sow into our foundation. We all believed on a personal level that giving a tithe, that was 10% of our income, to the local church and being generous even beyond that is an important practice in being a disciple of Jesus. And we wanted our church on a corporate level to reflect that belief. So we purposed to take a minimum of 10% of the general income that came into QCC and sow it into other ministries, causes, and and benevolences. And we've done this from the very beginning in 2010. There are several ministries that we have a particular connection to that we support on a regular monthly basis. And I just want to tell you let you know a few of those that you are helping so into we give regular support to his heart missions a mission organization that supports jim hill who has given himself for many years to ministry in south america and i think jim hill was one of those men john mark that you know you could call on anytime we've known him a long long time he's a great guy he's spoken here before too i know some of you know him um, we contribute to Keeping Hope Alive, a ministry led by Freddie Power. And I know a lot of you know Freddie. Freddie started a church on the streets downtown in Charlotte for the homeless um, and inner city folks. And um, we helped her at Christmas time. We provided stockings for a lot of those kids. But she also provides She's connected to places all over the world. Um, she gives to the poor, the homeless, and orphans in several parts of the world. And um, our monthly support that goes to her um, provides food for orphans um, in an orphanage in Haiti. We do that on a monthly basis. We help support six pastors in Cuba through Latin Impact Ministries. We support Scott Volk's ministry together for Israel that provides food, clothing, playgrounds, and more for the poor in Israel, for both Arab and Israelis alike. We support Cameron and Susie Yurai in their ministry to Iran, bringing the gospel to the Muslim nations. We give support to Leonard Jones' ministry, Levite Praise Institute, and to Charlotte Eagles for Mitch Sanford. Is Mitch here? our own Mitch Sanford, for his support through Missionary Athletes International. QCC sent $4,600 to buy generators for hurricane relief in Puerto Rico last fall. In 2015, we paid for a spring well in Kenya to provide safe drinking water to the residents in that area through Matt Peterson's ministry, Hydrating Humanity. In recent months, you have joined with us in raising $55,000 for a neighboring church that is renovating space for their facility, which will also house their ministry to feed and care for um, inner-city at-risk kids. These are just a few of the areas that QCC and you have sown and continue to sow into over eight and a half years. And the Lord has been generous with us financially, too. We were able to pay for the renovations of this building to the tune of just over $300,000. Approximately 100000 of that money came from outside sources who wanted to sow into us, who believed in what we were doing, so we really appreciate that. Um, the only money we borrowed was a lease loan from the bank for the purchase of these chairs, our sound system, the projector, and the screen back here. And last month, we paid the remaining $17,000 on that. So the chair you're now sitting in no longer belongs to First Citizens Bank. We're debt-free. Um, and we continue to upgrade the building, the grounds, the sound system, the classrooms for kids' ministry. We have supported and added to our staff as we continue to grow. So our resolve is to be faithful and generous with the provision the Lord has given us, and he has certainly been faithful and generous to us in a wonderful way. So we want to also thank you for participating with us, for your support, your faithfulness, and your generosity. Thank you.
1: Robin, always says how awesome I am from the stage, so now I get to say how awesome Robin and Donna are from the stage, you know? You know, it takes a lot for us to get Donna up here, but isn't she just the best when she comes up here? It's just like, man, I was listening to my mom. I love listening to my mom. My mom lives in California, so I don't get to be around her that much, so when I'm around Donna, I feel that, so... um, So, uh, I don't know what I'm doing up here. No, just kidding. I really do. (laughs) Uh, So, one of my favorite passages of scripture when it comes to the life of the church is in Acts chapter 2. You probably know it well, but God shows up in a way that he hadn't previously shown up. He shows up on the day of Pentecost and there's an outpouring of his Holy Spirit. And this incredible thing happens. 3,000 people... Give their lives to Jesus. It's like a Billy Graham crusade, man. 3,000 people, not only do they give their lives to Jesus, but they get baptized and they get filled with the Holy Ghost on the same day. Can you imagine baptizing 3,000 people in one day? That is a lot of work for some pastors, but they did it somehow. They baptized 3,000 new believers into the church of Jesus Christ. All right, pretty incredible, right? Like you'd like to be doing that every day, right? So much cool stuff. But here's what happened. A really interesting thing happened. After that miraculous move of God, this group of believers just started doing everyday life together. The the Bible says that they did four things. They gathered together, they studied the apostles' teaching, they broke bread and ate, and they prayed for each other. So we go from the miraculous and the intense to kind of like just everyday normal life, but it's really important, right? There's, a, there's an importance to everyday life in the body of Christ, amen? But what's really interesting is where the, where the scripture says that they gathered together and did these four simple things the miraculous continues to break out the scripture says that everybody there was filled with fear the scripture says fear but what it really means is awe it says everybody who was breaking bread together and gathering together in their homes and and um and praying for each other that signs and wonders broke out that's, a, that's an incredible dynamic in the scripture right this is what I feel like, right? I don't feel like this. I believe this. <clears throat> when I see something in the New Testament scripture, it's not just so I can look at it and go, oh, wow, that's really neat. It's an invitation to me to do the same thing. We we have learned how to be the church of Jesus Christ by looking at the scriptures and doing what it has told us to do. Amen? Are you with me so far? Okay. So um, this is interesting I was driving to church this morning, and I started praying in tongues for you Baptists in the room. This is the interdenominational church part. It was 4.30 in the morning. It's pitch black. I start praying in the spirit, and I'm just going along, minding my own business, just praying for about 20 minutes, and then I have this incredible vision, and it's not a vision of glory. It's not a vision of revival. It was a vision of me sitting on a 30-acre lake catching the biggest bass you have ever seen in your life. It was such an encouragement to me. It was like the Lord, I I was connecting with the Holy Spirit, and then the Lord connected something in the natural that he knew would encourage me. And I say all that to say that the supernatural and the natural are not disconnected. The supernatural and the natural are interwoven together. And if you're trying to live in one without the other, then you're doing it wrong. Okay, and a lot of us, we, we, we kind of go one way or the other. We, we err on the supernatural or we err on the natural. And what I believe is that the people of God are people that know how to live in both of those worlds at the same exact time. All right? So here's an interesting thing back to the uh, the early church Acts chapter 2 the church at Jerusalem here's the thing the church in Jerusalem was a city church it was not a suburb church it was not a small country church the beginning of the very church of Jesus Christ started in a city think about that that's amazing. Like, sometimes I wonder about what it means to be a city church, and I'm, I'm, you know, I've, I've been a part of suburb church, I've been a part of small community church, and there's some, some things about that that are a lot easier, you know? If you don't live in a city, you live in a tiny town of 1,500 people, there's not a lot to do. You just go to church, right? So, there's a dynamic to being a city church that is on the Lord's heart. Alright? So, we're a city church like the first church in Jerusalem. And God has been adding to us. So the thing is that Robin and Donna, and I would include myself and Amy in this as well now, we, we did not necessarily set out to be bigger, but we're witnessing, increase. We're, we're witnessing an increase of people coming to participate in and receive from the church life of Queen City Church. We are growing have, have, has anybody noticed that? I mean, we are growing. We, we added 30 more chairs this week because we keep running out of chairs every week, all right? So there's growth happening just like what was happening in the early church. I mean, not 3,000, but, you know, 30 chairs, is, that's growth, right? It doesn't always have to be 3,000 people. I don't know what we would do with 3,000 people. So, But 30, we want to be faithful with the 30 chairs, All right. So even the early church had to make adjustments because of the growth of it was experience. The administration of the daily ministry of the church was being challenged because so many people were being added to their number. The apostles had to get better at facilitating the growth and the ministry of the church. So along the way, we have felt the need to get better at facilitating the ministry at Queen City. We believe the Lord has asked us to strengthen our organization to help facilitate the quality of ministry taking place at Queen City Church. So 2018 is a year of expansion and connection. All right, that's what we really feel from the Lord. We we feel like we're we want to we're, we're witnessing growth And we want to be faithful to steward the growth that we're experiencing. All right? Everybody with me so far? All right. Throw something at me if I start rambling, okay? So 2018 is a year of expansion and connection. And we believe that the Lord has asked us to create more ways for people to connect with each other at Queen City Church. So... I would say that when you're in a city church, one of the greatest challenges is is to connect in and to feel like you're a part of a community, and to feel like you know you have a you have your your tribe that you belong to, and I'm not saying that we're going to find all of the answers this year, but I believe that the Lord has been helping us to uh, we'll come up with some ideas, and. There's there's nothing massive or expansive about the ideas themselves, but they're these simple things that we're adding to our ministry that we really feel like is going to um, help us grow, not just in size, but in our walks with the Lord. Amen. Because we're not just trying to grow larger; we're, we're we want to grow deeper as followers of Jesus. All right. So so practically speaking, we have done done this in two ways. And by what I mean is we have creating more ways for people to connect with each other at Queen City. Practically speaking, we have done this in two ways. Create more on-ramps for people to connect with each other and create a better communication method so that people can know what the heck is going on at church. All right. All right. So some of the things that we're doing for the connection side of this is... Starting tomorrow, on Monday, we have our first week of our spring session of our home groups. How many of you guys have signed up for a home group for this next session? Oh, fantastic. I think right now we have every single home group filled with capacity to capacity. I, I haven't heard from the Woodfins. Are y'all filled to capacity? Y'all are filled? Okay. So everybody, <laughs> every home group is filled to capacity. That is fantastic. Um, let me just say this. If you desire to be in a home group, we don't have one for you just yet, but if you want to, I think I'm going to put together one or two more home groups for this spring session. So if you, if you have a desire to connect into one and you haven't done it, see me after church. All right. I just wanted to say that. All right. So our spring session of home groups are going to kick off. These are going to run for eight weeks. And really the goal of those is that we grow closer to each other and we grow closer to the Lord. The concept is we're going to spend some time studying the word. We're going to spend time in prayer and, you know, the different leaders will have some other elements going on in their in their groups, um, but that's really the aim is just to be with each other and get to know each other better. Okay, so uh, uh, here's another thing that we're going to kick off. So we're gonna we're gonna relaunch the Queen City Young Adults group. Our college age twenty somethings group um, is is gonna start being headed up by Stephen and Heather Jackson. If you don't know them. Uh, Get to know them. They're not here today. They're they're out of town. But I'm going to introduce them in the coming weeks. But they're just some amazing people. But if you're if you're high school, college age, uh, into your twenty somethings, this week on Wednesday at Queen City Church at seven thirty, we're going to relaunch our Queen City Young Adults group. So if you're that age group, show up for that. Um. Also. Our Queen City Church Youth Group has been la- launched. We've been doing that for like three or four months now. How, none of the high schoolers are in here, right? They're all they're all out there. Okay. So cool thing is we have a youth group. That's We didn't have a youth group last year. Brandi McMillan started our youth group. I mean, she's just killing it. It's just been so good. So we've got the youth group. We've got our monthly men's meeting, uh, second Wednesday of every month. We've got our women's group meeting, I uh, don't have any on the schedule just yet, but, but that's coming. And then last but not least, we have Courtney Clark's Moms Group. Is Courtney in here? Where's Courtney? Oh, there she is. She's holding a little baby back there. So, so uh, if you want to connect with any of these ministries, uh, Abby Brown will be at the, the Connect table after church today. Um, and you can just tell her your interest or you want to sign up for something. Um, and, and we'll, we'll get in touch with you and, uh, connect you in. All right. So, the next thing that we're doing, this, this is on the communication side, and I'm, I'm pretty excited about this. We've been working on this for a number of months. So, so right now, if we want to tell you something, there's a couple of ways we go about it. We send you an email, or we make an announcement on Sunday, which is, always a good thing. Or we post something on our Instagram account. If you're not following us on the Instagram account, you should do it because it's really cool. But, um, but all of those things have left us uh, a little bit disorganized. And, and we've heard from a lot of you that uh, we haven't really had a real strong conduit for, for ways for you to get the information that you need to know what's happening at Queen City Church. So <clears throat> about three months ago we started to uh started talking to a company um, and uh we have developed an app for Queen City Church. So in a in, in about a month or so, uh we're gonna have an app that you can download that you can find out. You can connect, you can find out anything that's happening anytime you want. All of our home groups will be on there, the locations, the times, the places. We're just going to have this one centralized place where you'll be able to, you know, know all that you need to know about Queen City Church anytime you want to know it. So pretty cool, right? All right, that's all I got.
0: I wanted to thank Andy for saying nice things about me. <laughs> a little bit of a conclusion. After talking about all of these things, I thought about um, something in the Gospel of John. And I was reading this in the Passion Translation. And <clears throat> it was some of the first followers of Jesus um, They were sort of sneaking up on Jesus and it says, then Jesus turned around and saw they were following him and asked, what do you want? And they responded, rabbi, which means master teacher, where are you staying? Jesus answered, come and discover for yourselves. So they went with him, saw where he was staying. And since it was late in the afternoon, they spent the rest of the day with Jesus and I was looking at, uh, Brian Simmons wrote this translation, or he translated the Bible called the Passion Translation. He's going to be with us in May. We actually have a Bible translator come at our church, which is very cool, plus he's spiritual. I don't know how many spiritual Bible translators there are. I don't think I've ever met one, <laughs> but I've never met a Bible translator. So there you have it. Now, his footnote says, this is the first recorded saying of Jesus in the Gospels. It's a question that should be asked to every follower of Jesus. What do you want in following me? Do we want something only for ourselves, a ministry, answers to prayer, or do we simply want to be with him? Their answer, where are you staying, shows that they were seeking only him. And I thought that was such a great little uh, footnote there. Here's what I would say. We're talking, we've talked about who we are. Here's what I would say. You just need to come and see. You need to spend time. Because a definition of who we are will never take the place of a demonstration of what God is doing here. We need that definition. We do. I'm not saying we, we need that. But the definition alone really is the shell of of the meat and the life that's inside that. And you really should just try to come and get involved because we love we love having you. In conclusion, we really do want to be known as a church that loves God and loves people. We model that by passionate worship and by trying to take care of people in ministry and by reaching out to the community around us. We help this great young man next door, James Scott, we raised $55,000. We understood that would finish off his project, and it didn't. He needed another $25,000. Well, I found out this week he's gotten that, too, from Forest Hills Church. And so we have right here, literally across our parking lot, we have a great young pastor, African-American, that we helped get into his, into his building We just gave, we, we gave him, our congregation, you gave him $25,000, $27,000. And then I found two other really rich guys that gave him $25,000. So, um, awesome. See, that's, that's who we are. That's what we want to do. We want to be givers. We don't want to just be people that take, but we want to add something. We want to add value. To Charlotte. Now, we intentionally did not leave the offering to be taken after this vision meeting. How many of you notice that? If you're astute, you would have. What do I mean? What do I mean is we're we're not trying to inspire you inordinately into helping us. We believe you can see the value. The value added of what we're doing and who we are. Now, if you were inspired, <laughs> you can still text giving to 77977 and follow the link. You can always do that. But I love this church. And I don't mean the building. I love the building, but you miss Stone. Uh, I love you folks. You guys are awesome. I don't know that many of you deeply and profoundly. That's why it's so easy to love you. Oh, you know, that's funny. I'm digging myself a deep hole. But uh, anyway, moving right along. Tell the truth. Look what happens. Here's John Mark.
3: Awesome. I didn't. My technical title on the piece of paper this morning is I'm the overseer, which means I come up and do the introductions and stuff, so I I don't have anything specifically prepared for this Sunday, but I did have a couple of thoughts, Um then Andy's going to come up and close um, with a song. But, um, you know, I wanted to say something. I believe that um, uh, the spiritual life is cultivated. Like all good things, it's cultivated. And church, for me, it's not as much about asking you to join my team. I'm not asking for you to join my team. Church for me is more like a family of people who are trying to grow together in the spiritual life, right? And I think if you know much about the way people work, you know that you become like the people that you're around. You do. You become like the people that you're around. I read something recently about silly. It seems silly, but I was reading something about, um, like a weight loss or, Addiction, You know what I mean? Or whatever. It's sort of like you become more like the people that you're around. And so like one huge part about church is just being together. Being together. And the whole world is created. It's The whole world is being set up in a way to keep you from being together. Have you realized that? I was talking to Don Hardister recently about how you can shop from your house now. It's great. I like it. But the world has given you every opportunity to not be together. So one of the most beautiful aspects of church life is just being together with all the flaws. And I have really good friends who love the Lord who don't go to church. I have really good friends who love the Lord who do go to church. And I have all sorts of friends and people that I love and respect in between, you know. But I have to say this is that, um, I have, I have I have people who are angry, not at our church, but just at church in general, and they every opportunity they have, they bring up something bad that happened in church, you know. And if you look for negativity, you can always find it. But here is here is something I realized as I was thinking about this: this is that if I lost my kids at the mall, I'd be a lot more worried than if I lost my kids at church. And bad things could happen to my kids at church, but let's be honest, it's a lot less likely that bad things would happen to my kids at church. Why? It doesn't mean that there isn't, uh, that bad things can happen. But when you're with a community of people where the base of your relationship is that we are at the very least, we are committed to trying to love our neighbor. That makes a huge difference than trying to do life with people who don't have that as the base basis for their existence or for their life. It really does make a big difference, you know? And so I love this church for so many reasons. I'm just bringing up this super elementary stuff and it sounds ridiculous and almost insulting in one sense because you're like, is this all that church is about? Well, no, but it's really important to remember. Right? I've read some secular research recently that says that Christians who go to church are less likely to get divorced. Christians who go to church are less likely to have addictions. Christians who go to church are more likely to have jobs that pay them more money. Christians who go to church are more likely to live longer in their lives on average. Right? All that stuff sounds kinda silly. Right? But this is true. This is secular research. There's something about us just being together at the very least makes our lives better in just the most surface ways, right? And so if just the surface, if just the most shallow areas of our lives are better by just being together, then what does it mean for the deepest aspects of who we are? That we would come together and we would pursue the Lord, we would pursue the spiritual life together. How awesome is that? You know? And so, I, man, we don't have a lot of negative people here. And that's one reason I love you guys. You make me a better believer. You make me a better disciple of Christ. You make me a more spiritual person just because we're in proximity to one another. And I'm so grateful for that. And you know, I cannot set up my children. I cannot guarantee the destiny of my children. All I can do is set them up the best I know how. And I'm so grateful that my children get to be around you guys and in your lives. And I think I know whatever they choose down the road, there are no guarantees. But I know just being in your shadow, just being around people like you, is going to set them up for a life (laughs) than had they not been around people like you. And this is church. This is church. Church is not my team. Church is not my job. Church is not uh, my hobby. Church is my family. And I'm so grateful that the Lord just put you in my life. I know my parents feel the same. So that's sort of my vision for QCC. That's what I dream about when I think about QCC. It's a place where we can grow in the spiritual life Together. One more statistic. Christians who go to church are more tolerant of other people than Christians who don't go to church. Secular research. Don't believe what you hear in the news, ladies and gentlemen. Love you guys.
1: Why don't we stand together?